You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And this week we speak to independent financial and investment analyst Liston Mainchies from Liston at Liston.co.za. This week has been an important week from my point of view. Listen, because I've seen the Anglo-American stable coming up with the results, the company itself, the parent company, Kumba Iron Ore, Anglo-American Platinum, and the sum of the parts, I think the results were quite impressive. Technically, though, and you're a chartist, a weekly chartist, and we put your charts up on strictlybusinesspodcast.com, chart-wise, it looked a little bit dodgy over the last 48 hours. But let's get back to fundamentals. What do you make of Anglo? Yeah, well, the story is, as you say, it's some other parts. De Beers not doing all that well. Uh, They're having to curtail sales. And I think that's important for me because it it confirms what's kind of happening in the world. But talking about Anglos, you know, 45% up earnings, I think that's at least what people were expecting. Yes. Share price down today. But then the more interesting story is that uh, the uh, Indian tycoon Agawarlal Yes. Who bought 20% of Anglos is now disposing of that stake. Now he's made a lot of money out of it because he uh-huh. got in when when uh, I think the rand was weaker, and uh, he uh, got in at a very good price. I think in the in the low hundreds, so he's done extremely well now. But leaving a 20% position, which he's always been very favourable about, saying it's a well-run company, it's a world leader, it's everything. Now to say I'm leaving, either he's saying it's not what I thought it was, or he is saying I've made enough and I'm uh, not greedy, I'm just going to leave now. So I, I think that's the part to watch rather than Anglos itself. Now come back to to the uh, Anglo-American Platinum. And again, we, we've discussed this before on, 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 on the show. It's not really Platinum. If you look at the Platinum price, you would not be buying Platinum miners. But if you're watching the palladium price, the rhodium price, and the nickel price, you might actually want to buy one of those. And believe it or not, the platinum mines are the best place to go for that. So uh, it's no surprise that we've seen them move up dramatically. And yet, and I think this is important, the platinum platinum basket, and that's basically uh, something like uh, 60% uh, platinum, 35% uh, palladium, and the rest, uh, the, the, the others, uh, is at an all-time high in dollars and in rand. So they are making money, and they're nowhere near the prices they were at, uh, I would say, seven, eight years ago. So, you know, if you say to me, is Anglo's likely to fall down over the next 12 months, I would say no, because the components that, that we're talking about are likely to continue doing well. Once that 20% is out the way of the Indian gentleman that invested and then said, well, no, I want to disinvest now or divest. Once that's out yeah. the way, do you think that that will lift the lid on Anglo-American's price or do you think he will signal the top of the market? Well, I think it, 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 it depends totally on, 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 on a couple of things. The first one is who buys it from him. And the important one there is if he sells, being outside South Africa, to people outside South Africa, it doesn't affect the rand at all. Mm. But if he sells it in South Africa and then has to take the rands out, well, then it's going to weaken the rand. And just to put that in perspective with the, uh, with the uh, Pepsi Pioneer deal, uh, that is a cash deal, CGT event into the bargain, and it brings 
uh, dollars into the in, into the country, yes. which will have to convert into rands, and it'll be rands in people's pockets. Don't you think that's really, already come really into the country? Hard. Don't you think that the anticipatory deal between PepsiCo and Pioneer has already been factored into the rand, and that's why it's been mired below, or not mired below, actually trading below 14 for a while? Do you think that money's already come in and now it's out the way? A fair bit of it may, but, you know, there's always a, the possibility that, that uh, something will happen in between and the deal doesn't go through. Um, and you wouldn't want to do it all in one day. It's, a, it's about 22 billion rand. That's a, you know, it's a fair bit of money. Yes. So I reckon that, uh, you know, it's not all in yet. Okay. Other companies in focus this week, Sassel. And I'm looking at Sassel, and I keep, I've been speaking to Greg Davies, who you know, and uh, David Shapiro, who you know well. I'm looking at Sassel, we've been talking about 350 and 360, and suddenly it's 308 and threatening to change its big figure from 300 to 200. This is a really, really big story for a really, really big stock. What do you make of Sassel, Lake Charles, trading updates, and so on? <laughs> well, Lindsay, I, I, I can. It, it's going to sound a little bit braggy, but unfortunately, it is the, the truth. Yes. May May two years ago, somebody came to me who held a, a very large stake in Sassel. Let's put it that way. Right. And he said, "What do you make of Sassel?" And I said, "Look, it's a one item producer at the moment. In you know, no matter how you start to look at that Sassel, it's uh, you know the the production which is not changing at either." Sasselberg or Secunda, um, it, there's not much to come in terms of volume. It's entirely going to depend on the rand and the, and the oil price. I said, but now we've got the story of Lake Charles. And I said, unfortunately, it just is true of just about every big South African experiment overseas. Uh, it doesn't work as well as they had hoped. <laughs> and I, I just say part of it is our management being a little bit too casual against, you know, the, 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 the other management slash government slash uh, 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 operators. And I said, I don't think it'll come in on time. I don't think it'll come in on budget. I said, but do you know the big problem? And it is, and they mention it, but I, I, if I don't have it in front of me now, Lindsay, but the, the words they actually used were incredible. I'll, I'll put it in English rather than what they had to say. Go on. When you go into a big project like this, you are allowed to expense the interest. Uh, sorry, you're allowed to capitalize the interest. So nobody sees how much interest you are paying. Now, I, I grant you this is borrowed in America and is unlikely to be at a, at, at a significant number. But then we come back to the fact that once you are in production, you start having to uh, expense that through your income statement. So now people see what it is. The second part to that is when you come on stream, you don't get maximum volumes. You haven't even got your clients properly lined up yet because you weren't sure how much you'd be producing and when. So you've got this horrible first six months where you have to expense the full amount, which is, I believe, something like $13,000 million dollars I don't want to frighten people. Now, wait a second. Wait, that, what was $13,000 million? Is that $13 billion or $13 million? Yeah. Billion? $13 billion. $13 yeah. billion. Okay. But I, say, I, like to, I like to say it is $1,000 million. Okay. It sounds bigger than when you say billion. It just sounds like a million. What's you know, a billion and a million, they're the same kind of thing. Well, <laughs> absolutely, categorically not. 
So I'm saying now you've got your interest bill on that and you're not really producing at, at, at anything like you know what you're going to do in the future. Plus, you're now at the mercy of the prices, which, by the way, just happen to be sagging. Now, why would they be sagging? And the answer is because there's a new player in town producing. So, sorry to say, two years ago, they were 420 when we spoke. And I said, you know, I just would say you want to wait until the Lake Charles has seen its teething problems over. I can say no more than that. Well, it went from, I was wrong, it went from 420 to 550. And I thought, what have I got wrong? And now it's 320 or 308, some uh, other number. Now, you know, if you're holding a fairly sizable chunk in Sassol and you lose a third of it, uh, you've, you've, you, you're paining. But again, we've seen this. It doesn't matter whether it's been in Aspen, Tongart, Woolworths, Coronation, <laughs> people who had <laughs> significant chunks of their wealth in that have seen horrible diminutions. But no, you bring it back, uh, as you say, um, not good news from, from a South African point of view. Uh, I think a lot of foreigners were buying Sassel, and they must be saying to themselves, gosh, what? Uh, and that could mean that they sell and take the money out, which is a bit more weakening for the RAND. But, Lindsay, one thing I would like to talk about, I think it's worth it for the listeners. Sure. But there was an article in Business, Li- Business Live, Business Day this week, and its actual title intrigued me because it says, Johan Rupert, colon, why SA is on the verge of an IMF bailout. Now, I certainly hadn't heard that we were on the verge of an IMF bailout till I read that. And uh, it makes a very, very interesting reading, if I, if I may say so. Just before you go on, Liston, I was speaking to Chris Hart maybe two years ago. And Chris Hart said that at some stage in the next five years, we're going to go to the IMF with a begging bowl, and we will need an IMF bailout. Now, I don't know whether Mr. Rupert has some sort of prior knowledge or something, or whether his uh, pronunciations are just hearsay. I don't know, but it certainly seems that someone, with the acumen that he has and his reputation, maybe he knows something we don't. Well, again, if you read it, as a person who has been pro-South Africa, pro-South Africa, he's now saying, I don't think I'm going to carry on living here. I think I'm leaving. And it is the most astonishing piece of, 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 of work. But just to the point, he says, uh, you know, uh, Rupert describes the country's debt position as untenable and says the cross guarantees which keep most state-owned enterprises afloat could be disastrous. I think we'll be at the IMF in a year's time. Mm. They don't know what's coming. We'll either have an Arab Spring type event or Ramaphosa must restructure everything. And he cannot do it. The IMF will, however, force you to restructure. And if you think about it, isn't that the best thing that could happen to the country? Halve the public service, clean up the state-owned enterprises. But he also says that will be done in an environment of interest rates at 30%. Now, honestly, if it had come for anybody but, but, uh, but Jan Rupert, I would probably be laughing. Can you imagine the socioeconomic consequences of something like that happening, going to the IMF with a begging bowl, interest rates at uh, 20 to 30%? I mean, there would be mayhem, Liston. The JSE would, would collapse and the RAND would be at 20 to the US dollar. Yeah, well, all sorts would, would, would change. Let's put it as bluntly as that. So 
again, it is just one of those things. And it, I would have put it down to a speculator. But when I hear the person's name behind it, I say, this is worth listening to and looking at. He then says, you know, he had a good relationship with uh, Ramaphosa in the 90s, mm. but he hasn't spoken to him since he's been uh, president. Why not? He just says he's not going to force himself on Ramaphosa, but he's hoping that Ramaphosa will approach him and have a discussion. But well, yeah, again, I, I just thought I must put that into our conversation. I don't know how much time we've got. We've got loads again, of time. If, we go, if, if we're going to do a little bit into the, you know, look, look, look into the into the world, what did we see in South Africa? We saw an interest rate drop. You would have thought that that would be the go signal for our market. Oh, please, twenty-five and basis points. On, I mean, it's nothing. And exactly. The point was they raised in November last year. And if you remember, I was incredulous. I said, I do not know what they're on about. <laughs> exactly. And and now we've given it back. <laughs> so, so far, we haven't got anywhere. We weren't, uh, you know, around about November last year. But it was a signal. And there, there is more. But every time I pick up my newspaper, there's another case, you know, whether it's the Zondo Commission or whether it's uh, uh, the, the public prosecutor. And just the message simply is that foreigners will not invest in a climate like that. They're actually saying the same thing, interestingly enough, about Nigeria. They just say, unless you clean up your act, we're not coming. And Goodness only knows, countries developing like ours, like Nigeria, you need foreign capital. So I, I just, you know, keep watching all of this. And as you know, I do my daily notes and I, it, it just keeps coming at me. And I say, I'll know when the right time is because the headlines will change. There will be some positive signals, but that time is not now. Move across to Brexit. And what have we got? <laughs> no, 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 please, let's not. Let's, let's stay with South Africa for now because Brexit makes me very nervous. This is a nervous giggle. <laughs> Listen, it's really, it really is a nervous giggle because Boris Johnson is not my favourite person. I mean, he's very charismatic and I'd, I'd love to go out for a drink with him occasionally or go on a walking tour of the Pennines with him, but I don't really want him to be the Prime Minister of the country of my birth. Uh, so let's, let, let, let's, let's leave him till later if we can. Let's talk about Randaposa. Uh, Ramaposa. Rand opposer because the Rand has come under extraordinary pressure. Not extraordinary pressure, actually. It's over an exaggeration. The Rand has come under pressure in the last 24 hours because of Tito and Bueni standing up and saying, we need 59 billion more for Eskom. We need three point whatever it was for SABC. This can't go on, surely. Well, the, this was Johan Rupert's point. It's untenable. But on the other hand, if my name is Tito Mboweni, I would probably be doing the same kind of thing. I'm being tasked with getting ESCOM fixed. And there's only one way to fix it. Now, if you don't like it, you get rid of me, but you've still got the same problem. So if it means that South Africa is downgraded, he's saying, look, <laughs> there is no alternative, in the words of Margaret Thatcher. There is no alternative. But again, I'd just like you to say those numbers again as 59,000 million rand. There we go. Do you, know how many, do you know how many homes could be built with that? Probably about 200,000, I would say. Maybe more. <laughs> I'm just saying, at, at least. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's have a look at the markets. Um, we've spoken about Sassel. We've spoken about the Anglo-American stable with the parent and its various constituents. Let's talk about a couple of other companies. AB InBev. 
went on a tear yesterday, Liston. I mean, this is a beer company. You have the old beer here and there, but you prefer wine. I know that. But this is a massive move for a massive company on the JSC anyway. I didn't see what it did in other markets where it's listed. But goodness me, AB InBiv, it's been a great week for them. Well, it's been a horrible year or a year and a half even. Uh, they have gone absolutely nowhere except down. And it's all a debt overhang, uh, which a lot of people are blaming on the purchase of SAB. Oh, yeah. But uh, they, they were going to get some money in by having a listing in, uh, in uh, Hong Kong, and they pulled it at the last minute, saying the price wasn't right. Now, I reckon if you, you decided you're selling this thing, you should go ahead. So they took a bit of a caning for that. Then they decided, no, now, now they are going to do something, uh, get rid of one of their uh, holdings in Australia, and that was good news. Now, so I'm, again, sort of pouring a bit of scorn on the, on the entire set of stories. You know, AB InBev probably doesn't make an awful lot of money in uh, Australia at all. I don't think many beer uh, brewers do, actually. There's high, intense competition. Uh, but if they were able to sell something for a good price and, and reduce the debt, that would be a good message. And I still think, you know, give the, given the right uh, environment, they will list in Hong Kong. So I, it, it has been true for some time. If you remember how many people made an awful lot of money over all the years by owning good old SAB, um, many of them, I think, took the AB InBev uh, in lieu of the SAB, and they must be very unhappy with it, as uh, as it turns out over the over the period that we're talking about. But long story short, is uh, you know uh, uh, we're getting I would call them amplified moves, both on the upside and the downside, depending just on some note from some analyst in some media. Uh, uh, and it, let's take it back to the earnings season in the USA. And an awful lot of companies are beating estimates. But nobody told you they lowered the estimates last week or the week before. <laughs> it doesn't take much to beat a lowered estimate. <laughs> Let's rather look and say how much better it was than a year ago. And sure enough, some are coming, uh, are coming through. But there's definitely an overall trend, and, and I think I covered it with you uh, at least a month ago when I said there's no big deal coming through in corporate earnings for the rest of this year. And by the way, in the early part, we ran out of what I call the Trump-induced earnings benefit of a lower tax, which he implemented in the first quarter of last year. So as far as I'm concerned, there's not an awful lot that can happen for earnings. Then we go back and say, well, what's driving? And it's true, uh, up, up to barring yesterday, you know, the markets, the US markets were hitting new highs. And it was all because, you know, Jay Powell is bound to drop interest rates, and so is Draghi. Then, of course, yesterday, Draghi decided not to. Mm. And it may just be a signal to his friend Jay Powell that maybe they also use the words we're going to, we're thinking of, we will do whatever it takes, but actually we're not going to change <laughs> the interest pattern. <laughs> I think there will be a lot of disappointed people if that happens. Listen, you've been in the business for probably 50 years. Let's, I won't give away your age. But anyway, the point is that you have assiduously and diligently 
analyze the markets and company movements and company share price movements, I want you to have a quick look at a company called Aspen Pharmacare. Because this thing was, what is that, in the hundreds? Was it 400 plus? I can't remember. Yeah, I think, uh, I think at one stage it may have, may have got there, but it was 340 for an awfully long time, then slipped to the 270, 260, and then, golly, gosh, it was 160, and as we have it now, round about the 90 level. 90 rand per share. In fact, uh, as I look at my sharenet.co.za screen, it's 89 rand 78 per share. And I thought that once all the bad news was out the way, that this thing was going to rally and uh, pay and the pain goes away and it rallies from here. But no, not a, not a bit of it. This thing is coming down. What do you do as an investment analyst, as an asset manager, as a fund manager, when you see something like this, which has been a darling of yours in your portfolios and you see it going from 350 400 whatever it was to 90 rand per share do you double up or do you say well, to yourself I'm, well it could be a steinhoff 8978 i'm seeing here okay well let me let me say what i did do uh, at at an early stage yes was to actually look at what is happening in aspen not only on the first half and then the annual but if you subtract the two or subtract the first one from the latter, you get the second half. And suddenly you get a picture of something very going very, very wrong. Now, I'm, I'm not alone in this. Quite a lot of people looked at it. But it was a question of where it was and what it was and how big it was. And, of course, the, the big problem that, or the, that was put out was that Viceroy was looking at them because they were overgeared. They had you know, dangerous levels of borrowing. Now, in some ways, that is unfair to Aspen because what happened was a good few years back, a group that they've always had very close ties with, and I think the, if I say it, the full name as GlaxoSmithKline, GSK. people will understand better than if I say GSK. Yeah. But so GSK and they had had a, a fairly good relationship over, over many years. And in fact, uh, GSK owned 25% of Aspen if not more, I think it was 25. Then the, the, the story was GSK, new management and all, had a, had a look and said, you know, we're not good in emerging markets, but our friends at, at Aspen are. Yes. So tell you what, let's put this whole parcel together and offer it to them one shot at a very bargain price. But, of course, it had a lot of debt, a lot of it denominated in euros, I might add. But still, it came as a virtual gift, but it came with debt. So it wasn't that Aspen went out and borrowed money like a lot of people did to grow and do whatever. This was a once-off bargain, uh, uh, a lucky packet. I don't know how better to describe it. And they were happy enough to do that. And no sooner had uh, GSK sold or handed this parcel over to Aspen, then they decided it would be a good idea to sell all of their Aspen. And I don't know what that relation is like. I imagine it's still re relatively good. But then the first thing that happened, that <laughs> you could have written the script, but you just didn't know when, was that they happened to have the largest pharmaceutical company in Venezuela. And the Venezuelan Bolivar devalued 96%. <laughs> so they had to take that as a loss straight off. Now, I don't say it was the biggest part of the parcel at all, but I'm just saying one part of your parcel became worth zero, but you actually had to take the loss of what, it, what you paid for it to what it, what it now became worth.
But what do you do, Liston? What do you do as an, an experienced fund manager and having seen so many of these disasters on the South African Stock Exchange, the GSC Securities, okay, well, what well, do you do? Well. Do you say, let's wait a little bit? This is a great company with Stephen Sardet at its helm, who is a great CEO, a little bit gung-ho in the past, obviously, because we've seen that from the share price movements. What do you do now? No, well, well, again, I think exactly the point I was making is you have to look and analyse and say, if these things have happened, and you used the words, you know, it has everything gone out. I don't yet believe that all of it has gone out. Mm. And in fact, I still think that the next six months, they're still going to report uh, poorly. So I don't know who's setting the price at 90, but I just think it's still worth waiting to hear the next set of results. On my estimations, and, and I can validate that to people who, uh, you know, who want to know what it is uh, section by section, half by half, I'll say uh, it, it, it looks to me as though this next set is the bottom, the kitchen sink, everything's gone. I can't be sure of that, but the big deal is they sold nutritionals, company in New Zealand doing uh, uh, infant formula, and, and they do most of their sales to China, but they managed to sell that to uh, Lactalis in France. So the long story is they now at least have that money to reduce what looks like this, you know, overly geared situation. They were honest enough to say, even though it's come in and even though it took longer than we thought, the only problem is it still doesn't get us below the kind of debt levels we would like to see. So I still believe they've got to sell something else. So my point on this is hurry up and wait. Five years ago, Aspen was 443 Rand per share. One year yeah. ago, it was 296 Rand per share. Six months ago, it was 152 Rand per share. 21 days ago, it was 106 Rand per share. Today, it is below 90 Rand per share. But from 443 down to 90, what does it say about the asset management industry in South Africa? Please tell me. Well, don't on, I, I dare not answer that question. Please answer I, it. Some of, my, some of my best friends are, are asset managers. No, I don't care. <laughs> let's look at Pioneer as, a, as an alternative. Pioneer was trading close to 200 or, or even above 200. And then suddenly it came down to about 115 and everybody thought, oh, well, that's about time to buy. And it went all the way down to, I think, 78. And then it started to lift a little bit, but at 84 and somebody came to me and said, you know, what do you think? And what do you think? Much like the conversation we've just had. Yes. And I said, now, have a look at this. And the difference is, although the half looked bad against the previous half, it was actually better than the half before it. So they were on the turn and on the men. And all of a sudden, Pepsi comes out of the, the, the woodwork and says, we'll buy at 110. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not saying the same can or will happen to Aspen, but uh, just be aware that, uh, you know, when something has gone, as you've said, from 400 odd all the way down, and the key part to this whole thing, as I said in, in Pioneer, I could see a turn, and I'm saying I can't yet see the turn in Aspen. Listen, let's talk about the rand as we close this conversation. Uh, I'm going to call it Randaposa because we had Tichon Baweni talking about 59 billion for this and that, and we spoke about that earlier on. We introduced that concept, rather, or rather that motif for this conversation. It's an important one, though, because the rand seems to me, after going from 1512 to... 
1375, I think it was, at, at, at its peak. It looks as though it's on a downward trajectory again. What do you think? Yeah, well, again, so much depends on whether people and the foreigners. We are still dependent on foreigners. And if you have a look, our volumes in our market have been particularly low the last uh, two weeks, but perhaps a little bit before that as well. So one way or another, a lot of people are sitting on, on the side and saying no. I'm fairly confident that that could change, and I've heard it in a, in a number of different places, and the Pepsi story is, 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 is one of them as well, which says they are interested in getting involved in, in Africa and South Africa, uh, but we still have to get it to, to stick, which is why I say if we get the downgrade, at least it won't be that sort of Damocles hanging over us. We just don't know when it's going to drop. We just don't know. Uh, and I think Tito is saying, listen, we know it's coming because we've got to do this. If I don't do it early, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have the same problem for the next six months or 12 months. Let's be honest about it. It needs $59 billion. We can make it work. Let's go about it. But, you know, ESCOM is still advertising for a CEO. And uh, it's going to be a brave person who puts his hand up for that one. Uh, stick your CV in the post, I would say, Liston. Uh, anything you like at the moment? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> the, 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 the answer is probably strange to you, but we covered a little bit of it earlier. I just think that the platinum miners, however well some of them have done in the, in the, in the recent past, are still having a good story behind them. And if you know me, Lindsay, I'd rather buy a good story, which looks like continuing, than to say, oh, this is so cheap, it can't get any lower. Uh, that, that bottom fishing is not the best plan, because the reason that they, the price is dropping is there is a problem which may or may not turn. I prefer to buy that sort of item when I can see that it has turned and there are other people there with me. But items that are, are, are currently uh, experiencing a, a tailwind, as I've said, it's uh, particularly, in my opinion, uh, favorable to the platinum miners. And I'm not saying all platinum miners, and I'm not going to get into a stock pick variety on that one. But I just say that is an area of interest to me because I think it has been totally ignored, as you say, by most of the asset managers. Liston Mainchies is an independent financial analyst. You can contact him at Liston at Liston.co.za. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with ShareNet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.